As the cost of living continues to rise all over the place, perhaps we should revisit a cherished idea for some people, namely universal basic income. So what would Hayek say? I'm Scott Nelson with the Austrian Economic Center and Hayek Institute in Vienna, Austria, and this week we're going to be taking a look at what Hayek has to say about universal basic income. So a universal basic income, or UBI, is an idea that has gained some traction in, in recent years, and there's no reason to assume that it won't continue to pop up from time to time, partly because it's an idea with, with well-established roots. Indeed, as early as Thomas Paine, something of a model for, for liberals of both left and right, we find support for some sort of universal basic income or general minimum income. And it's well known that even some free market proponents, such as Milton Friedman and James Buchanan, supported systems that, to some, come very close to a universal basic income. So the first thing we should probably do is distinguish universal basic income from some of these other schemes. Uh, and to do this, I've drawn on an excellent article by Juan Ramon Rayo, published a few years ago in the independent review called Hayek Did Not Embrace a Universal Basic Income. So you have an idea of what his, his conclusion is there. Uh, and I've included a link to, to uh, Rayo's article as well in the description. Uh, and key parts of this video will draw on his research as well as, as his conclusions. Now, one of the things that Rayo does is he distinguishes UBI from other schemes according to two criteria. One is universality, and the other is unconditionality. So universality means that the particular scheme or program applies to everyone, and unconditionality means that there's no requirement of having worked or of a willingness to work in order to receive it. Now, UBI is both universal and unconditional. Other schemes, however, differ in terms of these two criteria. And here are the examples that Ryo gives. So a negative income tax credit, like UBI, is both universal and unconditional. But unemployment benefits and old age insurance benefits are universal but conditional. So that means you need to have worked or demonstrate that you're searching for employment uh, in order to receive these benefits. If you take something like uh, Medicaid in the United States and a child tax credit, they're not universal, but they are unconditional. And finally, an earned income tax credit and minimum guaranteed income are neither universal nor unconditional. Okay. So with this being said, what about Hayek's take on universal basic income? Hayek never wrote directly about universal basic income, or at least using those terms. And so, as with the application of many areas of Hayek's thought to the problems of today, it's really a matter of interpretation. There are certain statements in Hayek's work, both early and late, that can be construed as arguments in favor of UBI, that can and have been construed as arguments in favor of UBI. So if we take, uh, for example, the road to serfdom, Hayek writes that there can be no doubt that some minimum of food, shelter, and clothing sufficient to preserve health and the capacity to work can be assured to everybody. 
And then he goes on to speak of how there's a strong case for a, quote, comprehensive system of social insurance. Now, again, what all of this entails is a matter of interpretation. And before moving on to, to a later high quote that has also been marshaled in support of UBI, I'd like to put the quote that I just read in its appropriate context. It appears early on in chapter nine of Road to Serfdom, a chapter called Security and Freedom. And Hayek begins by distinguishing between security understood as, as security against severe physical privation and the certainty of a given minimum of sustenance for all, on the one hand, and security understood as a given standard of life or position relative to other people or security of, of a minimum income or income a person is thought to deserve. Now, Hayek is not unaware that this distinction and the standards by which people will define a minimum of sustenance or income are quite flexible. And he even raises the question as to whether those who are so reliant on the community should indefinitely enjoy all the same liberties as everyone else. Now what all of this means is that such a quote, if used in support, of a universal basic income comes with more qualifications than it may otherwise at first appear. But even in his later work, where for some people Hayek appears to have grown less accommodating of, of any form of welfareism, we still find him writing, the assurance of a certain minimum income for everyone, or a sort of floor below which nobody need fall even when he is unable to provide for himself, appears not only to be a wholly legitimate protection against a risk common to all, but a necessary part of the great society in which the individual no longer has specific claims on the members of the particular small group into which he was born. So once more, this quote is taken from a section of the third volume of Law, Legislation, and Liberty. Uh, the section is entitled Security. And Hayek seems quite clear on the need for some sort of minimum for those who cannot survive in the market, mentioning, uh, as he does, for example, the sick, the old, the physically or mentally defective, the widows and orphans. That is, all people suffering from adverse conditions which may affect anyone and against which most individuals cannot alone make adequate provision, but in which a society that has reached a certain level of wealth can afford to provide for all. Now, one could follow Rayo and argue against associating this statement with support uh, for universal basic income because it's conditional. And so actually it sounds a lot more like old age provision or unemployment insurance than, than UBI. But I think at this point, just to get a, another a fresh view of things, uh, it would be worth bringing in another scholar who's written on this. His name is Matt Zwolinski, and he's argued that even if Hayek himself did not directly argue for a universal basic income, Hayekians can and should and I've provided a link to, to one of his articles in the description as well. There are multiple dimensions to Zwolinski's argument. Uh, for example, he emphasizes a certain Republican liberal thread to Hayek's 
to Hayek's thought that I'm not really going to go into here. But what strikes me is how he draws on two of Hayek's most cherished ideas in order to make his case. And I think as a result, it's worth taking it seriously. The first idea is Hayek's support of policies with general applicability, right? He, he supports this because he believes, Hayek supports this because he believes uh, it to be the most principled and indeed the most egalitarian way to treat people. In other words, it is most consistent with countries that function on rule of law, as all advanced countries do. Well, UBI is indeed of universal applicability, but it's also unconditional, which, as we just discussed, Hayek would have objected to. And here's where Zwolinski sees a problem with Hayek's opposition to unconditionality, on the one hand, and one of Hayek's other major ideas, which is his exposition of the knowledge problem in economics. Recall, Hayek believes that the state cannot centralize all of the knowledge dispersed among millions and millions of individuals. Zwolinski argues that the problem here is that determining whether certain people satisfy the conditions required for any given handout requires a degree of knowledge to which the government could not possibly lay claim. So actually, here I'm going to quote a paragraph from, from uh, Zwolinski's uh, conclusion in, in one of his articles. He says, in order to correctly apply Hayek's principle, governments would have to know both A, what sorts of activity count as a legitimate reciprocal contribution and which do not, and B, which particular individuals are genuinely incapable, as opposed to just unwilling, to make such a contribution. But how could we expect governments to accurately arrive at this information? What standard should they apply to distinguish between legitimate and illegitimate contributions to social welfare? What sort of intrusive powers will they require to distinguish between a genuine inability to find work and mere shiftlessness? The Hayekian case for an unconditional benefit is that it economizes on government's scarce knowledge and that it errs on the side of protecting individuals who truly are in danger of subjugation due to their economic vulnerability, even if that means erring on the side of supporting some individuals who do not truly need it. It's an elegant Hayekian case in favor of universal basic income. And by giving people cash instead of government-determined benefits, it gives each individual the freedom to decide what he does with this income. Hayek, at least in following certain dimensions of his own philosophy, Hayek may well have been compelled to agree with it, especially if it went hand-in-hand hand with diminished government expenditure on all sorts of other things. Now, on the other hand, there are at least a couple of areas where Hayek would have desired that we proceed with caution. One is Hayek would have asked us to be particularly cautious about whether UBI risked turning into a mask simply for the redistribution of wealth. Given its universality and unconditionality, this danger wouldn't appear to exist. On the other hand, if the original reason for its implementation was simply to achieve greater economic equality for those with less wealth, 
then what's to stop policymakers from jettisoning uh, UBI's claim to universality and instead just using it or making it a tool for, for social justice? With which Hayek obviously had, had a problem as the entire second volume of his Law, Legislation, and Liberty makes clear. But moreover, more practically speaking, what is the appropriate amount for a universal basic income? Such considerations will, of course, depend heavily on the country in question. Though, as one analyst has calculated in the case of the United States, if we assume that of 250 million adult Americans each would receive $1,000 monthly, that would cost $250 billion per month and $3 trillion annually. In other words, 14% of US GDP, or 42% of total government expenditures, which is more than the total expenditure on health, healthcare, uh, defense, and education. All of this for an additional $12,000 annually to each adult American, so 36% of the median personal income. The cost alone would probably have given Hayek pause. And if it was to be funded through progressive taxation, then according to Hayek's own philosophy's respect for general rules, he would have had to reject it. But what's UBI's track record elsewhere? Uh, Switzerland held a nationwide vote on the matter uh, in 2016, but in that year, 76.9% of the electorate voted to reject it. It was to be funded by transferring a part of each worker's income into a common national fund, which would also receive funding from social security payments. Finally, taxes were expected to take care of the rest. The costs were one dissuading factor, but there was also the feeling among the electorate that UBI would weaken the economy and encourage low earners to leave the workforce. And in Finland in 2017, universal basic income was actually tested. It was hoped that it would reduce the country's then 8.1% unemployment rate. But the test was aborted at the end of 2018, when many of the unemployed residents at the beginning uh, remained unemployed over the duration of the UBI program. And once more, cost was a problem. The OECD estimated that income taxes would have to increase some 30%, or in other words, some, some 4% of GDP, in order to finance a universal basic income. And ironically, replacing the country's present social system with UBI would have diminished benefits for people at the bottom of the ladder and even increased the number of people in poverty. Much of the case for or against a universal basic income may come down to what problem one is trying to solve in introducing the program. Is it providing for the neediest or achieving greater economic equality, or for that matter, even alleviating people of, of the burden of, of work and giving them a greater sense of dignity. Hayek's final answer on the matter may be found in a passage from the Constitution of Liberty, and I'll conclude by, by quoting Hayek one last time. The assurance of an equal minimum for all in distress presupposes that this minimum is provided only on proof of need and that nothing which is not paid for by personal contribution is given without such proof. 
the wholly irrational objection to a means test for services which are supposed to be based on need has again and again led to the absurd demand that all should be assisted irrespective of need in order that those who really need help should not feel inferior. It has produced a situation in which generally an attempt is made to assist the needy and at the same time allow them to feel that what they get is the product of their own effort or merit. And that's what Hayek would say.